You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here to bring you all the casual conversations on the shows and concerts and movies and films that we see and observe throughout our career. Giving you a warning, as we always do, that this conversation will feature spoilers about what we're talking about. So if you choose to, please go see the piece we're talking about before listening on, if you'd like, but you have been warned either way. (laughs) And today we're talking about a new Broadway play that has hit Broadway at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater through Manhattan Theater Club. So this is not something streaming. This is something that you have to go to New York and see in person (laughs) on Broadway. And today we are talking about the play titled Cost of Living. Cost of Living is written by Martina Mayock and directed by Joe Bonney. It stars Greg Mosgala, Katie Sullivan, Carrie Young, and David Zayas. This play is a limited run. I believe it's running till November uh, or so, so a couple months. Um, This play won the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, and it is now making its Broadway debut here. Um, It had some productions elsewhere, and now it's made it to the Broadway stage at Manhattan Theater Club at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about this, um, Jeff and I saw this play not together at the same performance. We <laughs> saw it two back-to-back nights, actually, for just because of scheduling conflicts with other things going on. So Jeff um, saw it the night before I did this week, and he sat upstairs in the balcony, and I sat downstairs in the orchestra. And I'm not sure if any of that will play into our conversation today or not. We haven't actually really talked about oh, yeah. our seating locations yet. We don't really, just so you all know, we don't really talk too much about it until we get on the podcast. We try to give you a lot of raw <laughs> interpretation of what we see. Um, so it'll be really cool to kind of bring that perspective in because we were in two very different locations and we both saw the original cast. It was just one night apart. And it's not like we saw it weeks apart. It was just one day apart. So uh, just take that into mind, I guess, when we're kind of talking about it. We've never done that before. We've talked about a piece that we had both seen separately. So It was actually my first time seeing a show by myself, period. I didn't oh. even go with anyone else. Okay. So. And sometimes soaking in a museum or a film or a play by yourself is, I think, great. It's like therapeutic in a way. Yeah. Me- mentally. And it just kind of lets you soak in some art. Yeah, kind of like off topic to you know, not talking about the piece, but seeing something by yourself, I didn't have anyone to look at during like, Oh, like what's Richie mm. experiencing? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. seeing that scene on the stage mm-hmm. right now, or, 
oh, you know, is he laughing or is he... Yeah, right. Know, How are they interpreting it? You're just worried about your own interpretation. So, right. It was interesting seeing that because I'm just like, oh, wow, I'm fully diving into this by myself. Mm -hmm. But then you start kind of looking at the rest of the audience. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. like maybe just from habit because you want to see... I don't know. Maybe that's just something that we do as mm -hmm. humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was pretty close up. I was to the side, but I was down in the orchestra pretty close up. So I didn't really have like anyone in front of me. I had a couple people, but... Any reactions were just audible, what I was hearing the audience, not like seeing. So, mm. so cost of living, what are your overall thoughts of this uh, as a Broadway play? Yeah. So my overall thoughts, um, I thought that the overall idea for the play was quite strong. Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of preface it that the show is really about the forces that bring people together, uh, the complexity of caring and being cared for, and the ways we all need each other in the world, which is what was described in the playbill to us. So just so everyone realizes, like, this is about, like, how we need people and how um, – other people may need us mm -hmm. at any certain point mm -hmm. in time, which I thought was really cool. And I thought that the way that this was displayed on the stage for us, it, it was kind of done in a very unique way, uh, using four different actors with all, many different characteristics, you know, from wealth to gender, race, disabilities. It just really showed how each person needed something. And mm -hmm. I thought it was a great way to show that. Mm -hmm. And I kind of liked, you know, not going too much into the story right now, how the two um, stories that were happening intertwine at a certain yes. point. Yes. I did notice that there was like scene and then scene and halfway through the piece, you know, it's performed without an intermission. You're like, okay, now we're going to the next scene. And it was like moving yeah. the two locations of the, the couple and then the person and the caregiver. And then at the end, one person from each of those scenes came together. I thought that was a really smart playwriting tactic. Mm -hmm. So I thought, yeah, just full circle on that. I thought the overall idea for this show was great. And I actually yeah. really enjoyed seeing it. I think it's a, a great piece for people um, to definitely check out if during this fall season. I do feel like it's an important piece of theater to be telling on stage because it really does give disability representation, both in a story of someone, mm -hmm. but also in an actor's journey to get on stage and perform with their disability is amazing. And mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And I don't think we see enough of that. Mm -hmm. We saw Ali Stroger win the Tony Award in Oklahoma a few years ago. That was an amazing step in that direction. And so I think this is great. We should be seeing more of this. When you see the amazing credits of the bios of these four people, mm -hmm. and you see the training that they've been through and the amazing hard work they put into this, regardless of their disability, they've made it to a Broadway stage and they're telling a story that is so important. Mm -hmm. And going back to and going into the story a little bit, I am so impressed with how it flowed and how we were watching love and disability through a love and then a loss. And then we were seeing disability through a transactional, you are here to take care of me. But wait, is there a love there? Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, you don't feel the same way about me. Oh, wait, oh, wait. There was a lot going on there. And I really, really loved that. I loved that scene because in my performance, the audience gasped when she was like, oh, you want to take a shower and, and shave before cool. And he was like, yeah, because I have a date tonight. It was like, oh, and I, that was such a moment. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. I really didn't. So maybe I was a little blindsided by that. But mm -hmm. I think what is so impressive about this is that we see love and we see love in a different way and we see care. And I think what's interesting to me is care 
can be love-based or non-love-based. We were seeing care and like, a, you're my friend. We're the, the couple that's divorcing or splitting up. Okay, I'll still come care for you versus falling in love, falling out of love, friendship or transactional, as I said earlier, someone coming to take care of someone and then mm-hmm. leaving. Um, so that was amazing to me how cost of living, what does it cost? Your heart? Or does it cost your money? Or does it cost a lot more? What is the cost of living? And to live on this earth, what does that mean for people? And I think that was a really, really great message to Mm. provide. Yeah, it is interesting, even just the title Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. this play, because I didn't know, you know, what I was going to see. Mm. I don't really like doing a lot of research before going and seeing something. Mm-hmm. I really like to just be kind of, you know, thrown to the wolves when seeing a new play or a musical, unless it's something that I've read the the story to or seen the movie. But I I thought this was going to be going in like, oh, how much does it cost to live? Literal. Yeah. In in the world. Which there's we have the Jess's character played by Carrie Young, who does multiple times talk about the jobs she works, the money she pays, and the things she's sending money home, and she has to sleep in her car. And the, there is that the word cost does go to the literal quite mm-hmm. frequently in the play, too. But well, I, I think do that, think I do think it really ultimately is about that as well, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. each of the four characters need to live. Mm-hmm. And whether they went to school and they can't afford to pay for it, or they need a companion to help pay for their life, or, you know, maybe someone is on disability now and they're getting that Mm. disability money. Each character needs something, though, that costs money Mm -hmm. to live Mm -hmm. in this world, Mm -hmm. you know, so... And, and, And who has the money to do it, like John... Yes. In the, who is in the wheelchair, um, Greg Mosgala played John, who ha- that character has the money to provide. And then you have someone like Ani played by um, Katie Sullivan, who was struggling to be on her own and kind of needed her ex-partner, but she was mad that he was with another woman. But then she almost drowned in the tub and, and that scene. And it's also amazing to me taking a step out of this when you see shower scenes or bathtub scenes in so many movies or shows, it's usually associated with maybe eroticism or romance or something sexually oriented maybe. Mm-hmm. And this was about like, just no, just taking a shower or taking a bath, the shower scene, watching the I found we're going to talk about pacing in a second, but I, in the shower scene, I just found the pregnant pauses of no dialogue. Let's just watch this mm-hmm. caregiver care for this person in the shower. That is astonishing. Mm-hmm. But then there was romance in the bathtub scene between Eddie and Ani and the p- piano playing on her arm and that. And then look how quick that turned. He stepped away for a second. She almost drowned. So we were using for the stage these like life moments of taking a bath, taking a shower in, in, for lack of another word, I guess, tragic ways. There was a Mm -hmm. sense of sadness and tragedy associated with each of those. As much as they were poignant, like, wow, look at the care these people are giving. There was almost a, oh, I could fall at any moment. I could die at any moment. I need that person here with me in a dangerous aquatic location like that. Well, I think that was interesting, really, between both Eddie and Ani. Like, Eddie... They were getting divorced Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he comes back, but I think he comes back for different reasons, right? So he 
needs her money. So mm-hmm. she's clearly getting money from somewhere, mm-hmm. whether maybe it's because she's on disability mm-hmm. and she can get it. Uh, so he's like, well, I need a place to live and I can come and be your caretaker and get paid for it as well. So mm-hmm. it's interesting watching them because she, I think, more and more realizes she really does need him. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that word need yeah. because I look at this and I say, who takes care of us in this world? And we're going to kind of talk a little bit more that a little bit later too, but who do we care for other people? Do other people care for us? And my bigger question is, is that a want or is that a need? I found throughout this piece, there were moments where it was like, oh, that person needs that person versus, oh, that person wants that person. Mm -hmm. And I was really blown away from the playwriter's perspective of how, playwright's perspective of how we were in and out of need versus want. One of them wanted love, but needed the companionship. Mm -hmm. The other one needed the caregiver, but wanted I just am blown away by using those two words to describe this whole piece and then looking back on our lives as an audience and saying, what is a need and what is a want and who takes care of us and do they take care of us because they want to or because they need to? Mm. That's an astonishing thing to me. Well, I think that's, you bring up a good point there because did you at a time feel like no one really wanted each other. There was moments where I felt like there was um, struggle to want to be with someone. But only at times, because I found that Eddie was like, you know, I want to be here to help you, you know, even though we're separate. You know, there was moments but where I think he said that. But she didn't feel that that was true. Yeah, right. right. She thought he was just doing it because right, right. he had to. And for Jess's character, she needed to be there for the job, but then she also really wanted to be there with him at the end. And she was moving mountains to get out of her work schedule that night and do everything she had to do to impress him. And when he didn't want her back, it was like, oh, this is a transactional relationship. This is a, you come take care of me and then you go home. Well, I think she had a little bit of like a false hope Mm -hmm. happening Mm -hmm. there because Mm -hmm. I think it was, I think she liked the idea of being with him. And yeah, while she's with him each day, it's probably like she's growing feelings for someone Mm -hmm. like him. You know, they had a flirty, um, you know, kind of condescending relationship to each other, Mm -hmm. which just worked. And maybe that's what she needs. She needs someone to kind of just like put her in her place the same way that he needs to be put in his place. And I think she kind of fell for something that was never going to happen. But I think there was multiple, you know, bullet points there on why she wanted that. Mm -hmm. You know, he had a apartment, Mm -hmm. a nice apartment. Mm -hmm. He had things, he has money. Mm -hmm. And what does she need? Yeah. She needs a place to live. She needs money. She needs this. So, and you know, she's already taking care of him. And when she said, you know, if you're going out on this date, can I just stay in this apartment for a few hours tonight? And it was, and you didn't really know in the moment why she was saying that other than maybe because she didn't, but then you realize she literally was going back to her car. And there was this overall, I like to look into themes, everything was winter and snow. Mm -hmm. And and the winter time is a time where I feel like as humans, we need the most. We need warmth. We need um, heat. We Mm -hmm. need warm food. We need shelter to keep us from the cold and you know we need a lot of times we need that more in the winter so how smart for a playwright to set you know it was raining 
How many times was it raining and the, they needed to, can you close the door? It's cold. Or are you going to go out in the rain? You need an umbrella. That overall theme of care, bundling up, wearing an umbrella, it would have been so different if this play was set in the summertime. And they were just walking in and out of rooms. Mm. Just the fact that they were entering a location or leaving a location where they needed to take care of themselves in yeah. a moment to cover themselves from rain or snow. There was snowing back there a lot in the back of the set. Mm -hmm. I just was really impressed with that take on it. Like, look at this overall theme of the freezing cold. And and all you need sometimes is... And, and, and so at the end, when Eddie and Jess come together... Did they really want each other? They barely knew each other at the very end. Did they want each other? Not really, but they kind of knew that they really kind of needed each other. And that was a need that neither of them needed a caregiver, but they just needed someone to kind of be in a room with, to talk to, to provide some shelter to. Here's a cold slice of pizza. Here's a hot thermos of coffee. And that's the human spirit to me and the human calling for that need you know right and not and and letting it be um companionship mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. really realizing that that's all they kind of need right now right and now. and right. that that actually might be a want as well yeah yeah like i want to come into this house. It, you know, I kind of, one thing that stood out for me is she was so afraid to go into his home, mm -hmm. but she had no problem walking into John's home. Right. Because she was going to get paid to do it. Yeah. Whereas where she felt most vulnerable in a state, she, she didn't want to let her guard down. Well, in the very beginning of the show, when she first goes into John's apartment, she's like, hi. And I thought, I didn't know anything about the, characters yet and I was like oh is this his partner is this his right. daughter who's just walked into this house and he was like do you want me to come back there and help you like I'm here for the I was like oh she was then when you learned what her role was she was coming for an interview into someone's home you were like oh but yeah then the other at the end she would not come into that doorway for the longest time and look at how much she had to let down like of her guard mm -hmm. and we're talking about Jess here how much she had to let down to even like talk to John mm -hmm. she didn't want to you know tell her th secrets or her hidden things that she's hiding from the mm -hmm. world. So now someone discovering that though, yes. like Eddie discovering that she felt most vulnerable, mm -hmm. which was a really interesting mm -hmm. thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because we never really know what someone, when you're just walking down the street, what someone is like, Oh, mm -hmm. that, that person lives in her car yeah. or and that person it, doesn't have a home. You would never know, especially with her. You, she could be walking down the street and you want to know anything about her. Yeah. And it was almost like for, for Jess's character, there was this sense of needing to prove herself. And, and I, what I found astonishing in some of the scenes with John and Jess, here's John who is a disabled person who needs this person's care to get through their daily life. And, John, and here's Jess, who's struggling to pay bills. And so you're talking about, presumably here, a straight white man and a black female. Mm -hmm. And he it was still a power play between the two of them throughout so many scenes. Well, John still felt better than her. Mm -hmm. And she had to keep saying, but you need me. And he yeah. was like, yeah, but I, I." there was this arrogance that he had to him from his upbringing and his money and his background. And there was still this power play of like, why is it you're better than me? I'm better than you. And I have to prove myself to you. And you, it's the systemic look on it too. 
It wasn't just, the, this whole play wasn't just about disabled people. It was about, like you said, going back to the beginning of this podcast, gender, race, and disability. And, and how wealth. All, and wealth. And how all four of those are really stirred in this pot. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you know, I think someone has a line, I think Jess has a line at some point, point. she's like, well, do you know what it's like to work all night? And I think it was to Eddie, and Eddie said like, yeah, I do. Like, yeah. I drive trucks all night, or whatever his job was. So it was like, yeah, they both had a similarity that they both were caregivers for people with a disability, and at that time, they didn't even know it. And, that too, you know? and that's why seeing something like, it always goes back to the take yourself out and look at what other people are dealing with. Mm-hmm. So it each character always makes it about them mm-hmm. for the most part mm-hmm. and not ever put themselves in the other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. Jess immediately thought she had a harder life than Eddie, even though Eddie has his own struggles that yeah. he's been dealing with right. from sobriety and having to drive a truck around the world mm-hmm. from his, his wife who died. to die. Right. Right. You know, I think that's... But she doesn't know all of that. She just looks at him and says, uh, you're a creepy man. Right. And she also looks at this, like, of, I have to constantly be proving myself with all these jobs. And it's she's got her struggles. She right. has her struggles, too. I loved her. And the comedy comes in and out of this play at perfect times, I find, when they would call each other names. And all four of them would call each other names at yeah. times. There was also um, Jess explaining her name and how she got her name was a really great moment from a playwright perspective, just kind of letting us escape into her life for a little bit. But I will say something. Throughout the whole play, there is this blurred line. And to me, it's a blurred line between love and care. Mm -hmm. When we are children, most of the time, people come from environments where they're receiving care from their parents because it's associated with love. Spouses care for each other and love each other. But many, many thousands of people in this world are aides and caregivers and nurses and visiting nurses and doctors who are in situations where they're caring for people and there's no, maybe there's no love associated with this. Like I'm here to do my job. I'm going to care for you. So that's what I found so interesting is how often do we see love associated with care and the blurred line between love and care, which can be at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they can also be two different things. And I found that to be really, really amazing in this piece. What did you kind of feel like the overall strength was in the show? To me, I found the overall strength was, um, the, the writing of it, I thought it was a really, really well-written piece. Mm-hmm. And I found for the majority of it, it was directed well. I liked the revolving stage. I liked the simplicity of the scenery and the lighting and the and the just how light that was and minimalistic it was. I don't think we needed clunky sets for this. We're right. telling a very s- nice story here that doesn't need to be cluttered on stage, and I liked that. Right. I think what really worked in the script, and then at times it may have not, was it seemed very real and almost at times... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't... Well, I will say, while you're thinking about that, I find that the pace of the piece didn't... It didn't seem... Uh, it seems like they... It seemed at times a bit um, slow, yeah. Like there was moments where I was like, oh, this scene, the whole play could have been 10 to 15 minutes shorter. And I would have gotten the same message instead of it being an exactly hour and 40 minutes or an hour and 50 minutes. Maybe it could have been like an hour, an hour and 30 minutes. I just feel like some of the scenes were just two or three minutes too long. 
and I never usually say that, but there was something about the pacing of some of the scenes to me, and I, it could have been a mix of the acting, the, the writing, and the direction, and a combination of all three, where I was like, oh, and we are only seeing it in its first week. Maybe they will get more comfortable, and they'll pick up, they'll trim a few minutes off the end of it and pick up the pacing of it. But the pacing, maybe that that's what you were trying to say, yes, seemed a little I, off. The pacing was off, but I also felt at times that the script felt a little improv, mm. where it seemed like lines were being said that may not have been there. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel that? I don't know. It, it almost felt like things were repeating. And I think maybe that was done on purpose to kind of show what a real conversation is like between two people. And I think that brings that simplicity element back to the show that you're talking about as well. So when we're seeing these kinds of things on this kind of more simple lighting design, simple set this scenic design, which I think works because I think it needs to show the difference between wealth mm-hmm. and where different people are. Le- you, at one point, you don't even know if we're in a hospital or if we're in a home or like like a nursing home kind of style place that you know, Ani's living in. Right. So I think that kind of leaves it up for our own, you know, interpretation. Yeah. I feel like overall the scenes were not – yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a pacing issue there at times and I feel like we could kind of – it just could just tighten up a little bit. I don't yeah. think there's anything that's out of line. I just think that at times it could have just been just just a little bit trimmed up. Some of it seemed a little slow. I'm talking about like the, the scenes. Just yeah. some of this. Not the transitions. The transitions seemed really nice. And like I said, I thought I thought it was well directed overall. I think it has a nice it's just a piece that has a message yeah. and it allows you to laugh a little. It allows you to kind of maybe tear up a little. Right. There's a tragedy associated with it too that I found. There was this sense of my heart hurt at times for some of these people yeah. and realizing that there is thousands and thousands of people who live their life like this or worse in the world who need people. And it goes back to people who need <laughs> I was people. about to say, he's going he's gonna to do it. <laughs> there was a, no, but there was a line in the show. It was like, people need people. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's the, literally the song in Funny Girl. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's a different show and a different meaning and a romantic song in, a, in that moment. But she does feel lonely there. And I think it does go down to people needing people. Yeah. It is a need. It is a it's human important. part and of I, the human heart is to long and need, I think, and not want to be alone, but want to be with family and friends. Mm-hmm. And whether that's romantic or platonic or whatever, it's a or a caregiver, you know, you need, there's a need for that. And I think that's why it's good that it's on the Broadway stage right now, mm-hmm. because do I think it's a little too, uh, is the Broadway stage a little too big for this? At yes. times I do think it is. Yes. I think. Could have been in a smaller space. Some of those scenes could have felt a lot more intimate if you were in a hundred or 200 seat block box theater off Broadway somewhere. Sure. Right. Well, because I think the biggest strength of the show was the actual emotion coming out of each actor. Mm-hmm. And being farther away, maybe you didn't really experience this because you were closer. You were only in the second row. But me, I was up in the mezzanine. So to really feel that energy from their emotions maybe was a little bit lost for me. Mm -hmm. Because I could see it on the stage that it was there. So if I was in more of like a round space or a small black box theater space seeing this, I might have been like, oh, wow, I'm really watching something that happens every day. Yeah. It is the the story, and I, I always say this in many of my theater podcasts. The, there is a room on Broadway for everyone yeah. and every story, and this is just another story that is wonderful to tell. Yeah, and it should be told like this. And it's great that it made it to a Broadway. Stage. But it's important that it's on Broadway. No, of course it is. I just feel people, like maybe it could have been in a smaller Broadway house, like Circle in the Square Theater, or something where, yeah. in, or in the Round, or somewhere where it could have been just felt a little bit more intimate because the Friedman Theater is quite large. 
kind yeah. of for an average probably house. So, yeah. um, so. for sure. But yes. Oh. oh my gosh, that really flew by. We're almost wow. out of time here. We have a little wrap up. I feel like time. there's a lot, of, a lot so more that we could be talking about. I know, about. I know. Wow, flying by. Um, I actually kind of want to end with something because Manhattan Theater Club actually is asking the audience in the playbill mm-hmm. to kind of answer this question, but. And to share this, but what person or organization has helped you get to where you are today? Mm. I would have to say my parents and my grandma. My grandma lived with us and it was like a third parent to me. And so I feel like those three people um, really um, cared for me, raised me and accelerated me and pushed me to work hard in my industry and as a person. And I, I feel like I've gotten a lot of my traits as a person and I'm gotten to where I am today because of my family and my parents and my grandma. Yeah, yeah. that's what I would say. That's what about right back at you? What about you? <laughs> actually, I thought the same thing. My grandparents actually mm. first because um, I wouldn't be here today without my grandparents mm. really, one, adopting my mother mm. and keeping her in this area has now obviously led her to my father mm. and here we are. Mm-hmm. So without my grandparents and all of the fortunate things that they've been able to do for me, my siblings, my cousins, and my um, aunts and uncles, sure. and my parents themselves, they put a lot into our lives. Yeah. So I think yeah. that that was really important. So especially when it comes to the cost of living or right. cost of or living, cost of, yep. mm-hmm. um, they were the ones who I think brought that that, mm. that big amount to special. this. Yeah. You know? That is special. Um, nice, nice. Yeah, I think, yeah. So <laughs> r- wrapping up final thoughts. Final thoughts. I, you know what, for, let's say this is still the start of our new season, mm-hmm. right? We yeah, we're only a couple plays into this new Tony season. Yeah. Here. And what do we see? Into the Woods and Kite Runner, Kite Runner and which are our first two yeah, of this of season. this Tony season, yeah. We now have Cost of Living. I, you know, we're making this our big thing of seeing plays this year as well as seeing Yeah, because we're trying to, musicals. we have a lot of plays and musicals coming this year, but a lot of plays, really a lot of plays, which is great. And what I really loved what this show did for me was it really has set the stage for me wanting to see more plays mm. this season and always knowing that when I leave a play, I have so many things to think about because there's so much more, I think, that goes into the the material of a play. Mm. Not that there isn't in a musical, but we know what a musical is. It's, mm. you know, entertainment, it's good fun and all of that. But this really, really makes you think about life and takes you out of your current life situation and makes you think about everyone in this mm. world is living and they all might be going through something different. Yeah. And that's what I really think. And, you know, so go see this play. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it overall, too. I thought it was nice. I hope in these next few um, days and weeks of previews leading up to their opening, they can work out some of the pacing on some things. You know, and, and that's normal for any show. You're always trying to get pacing right and things. But overall, the message is really important. It's a wonderful thing. And I want to end with a quote. Okay. Um, this is in the playbill from the playwright. The playwright is putting a quote in here from a piece titled Dancing After Hours, written by Andre Debus, I believe his name is. And this is the quote. Quote, there's something about taking the cart back instead of leaving it in the parking lot. It's significant because somebody has to take them in. Mm -hmm. And if you know that and you do it for that one guy, you do something else and you join the world. You Mm -hmm. move out of your isolation and become universal. End quote. How many times does something as simple as holding a door for someone, returning a shopping cart in the parking lot, saying thank you when someone hands you something, sometimes we're only often reminded about that in the 25 days leading up to Hanukkah and Christmas and Kwanzaa, and it's like, no, there's a whole year of that. 
And we should always be looking out and just the simple, simple things in life, like returning the shopping cart and not leaving it in the parking lot. Because as the quote says, somebody has to take it in. Well, guess what? To bring that full circle, it doesn't cost you anything but your time to do that. Mm -hmm. And look at what you're doing. You're living, you're making your life easier for someone else who has to park in that handicapped spot and there's six carts sitting there or who can't park you know, or has difficulty getting out of their car because they, there's carts in the way. The, the whole shopping cart thing, we get a whole podcast episode about that because that is a whole <laughs> thing. Like people who don't return the cart and the thing is right there, the carousel, whatever. Right. But I thought that quote was really, there's a few quotes in the playbill. If you go see this, read some of the quotes the playwright put in there, but the playwright chose that one. Um, I thought that was really, really amazing. So I'll end with that. So there we go. There we go. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening today. We really hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast episode of Cost of Living. It is playing uh, at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater on Broadway through Manhattan Theater Club, I believe, till November. I'm pretty sure their next piece goes in November. They have quite a few shows coming up this season, which is really great. Great. Um, which is wonderful. So thank you, Manhattan Theater Club. Thank you all so much. Let us know what you think. Comment, like engage with us we are all over facebook twitter instagram tiktok we're posting everywhere you can listen to this podcast and uh engage with us on our content at half hour podcast mm -hmm. through two worlds entertainment lots of music coming up some concerts coming up this season and more plays and musicals it's mm -hmm. a big season we're very excited for the things that are coming up and this was a nice nice piece to kind of keep going into the fall with Yep. So signing off for now. Until next time, I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.